0: Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Hannah Baldwin, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are here tonight. And I love this movie, Hitch. I'm going to talk about it in just a moment. But I want to talk to you first about just this series that we're in that is called Goals. And it's built on this thought that God cares so much about our relationships. He cares so much about them that the two greatest commands that he's given us have to do with the relationship. Our relationship with him and our relationship with one another and something that Brandon said last week that, that I thought was so good is that it's easy to relationship in the wrong direction. It's easy to be led by our emotions, it's easy to react to the way that we are feeling and with uh, despite all our best intentions, intentions don't determine the destination of your relationship. Directions do. And one key principle that we've been leaning into in this series is this, is that direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. Not wants, not intentions, not your desires, not your experience or what you know. It's directions determine your destination. And, uh, you know, odds are most of us want a healthy relationship, right? Like I'm not sure I've ever met someone that says, you know, I really want a toxic relationship relationship. I've never heard anyone say, you know, I want one where we're self-absorbed, where we just manipulate one another. We want a healthy relationship, right? And when you're thinking about your healthy relationships, it's not a one-time decision. A healthy relationship requires a step after step deciding to move in a direction that is healthy. And in this context of relationships, a healthy relationship uh, is determined by attitudes of our heart. I want to say it this way. The direction is about the attitudes of the heart and the habits we develop to express those attitudes. It's the, the habits that we develop to express those attitudes. Healthy relationships are the product of healthy people. They're the product of healthy people. And where you go is determined by, by what you grow in your heart. It's where, what you grow in your heart, that's where your relationships will go. So if you grow bitterness, you will go, your relationships will have bitterness in them. If you grow suspicion, your relationships will have distrust. Your relationships are the product of you. You are the common denominator in all of them. Your relationships are a product of you. I know some of you are thinking, Hannah, you're talking in a lot of absolutes. And relationships, they require two people. And I'm not arguing with you. I believe that too. Relationships do require two people. But here's what I know. In your most broken relationship... And in my most broken relationship, there are things that I can own, that I didn't do well, that I didn't do right, that didn't move me in the direction of a healthy relationship. And that's what this series is about. It's talking about the attitudes of the heart and the habits that we have to express those attitudes. And last week, Brandon talked about humility and how Christ came and modeled a a posture of humility for you and for me. And how that should lay the foundations in our relationships. And if you missed that teaching, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. Go back and watch it. It was really, really good. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about connection. And something that I find so interesting is that a, a desired destination that people have is for connection. In fact, studies show that we are hardwired for connection. We want that connection in our lives. We long for that connection. You know, as parents, we want our kids to grow up. We want them to come back. Like, we want them to stay connected to us. We don't want them to move away and never come see us. We want that connection. Or how about at work? We, we want to be connected at work. We want to know that what we do matters, that we're not just a position. We're not just a cog in the wheel, but what we do matters and that we are valued and that we are making a difference. We want that connection. In our intimate relationships, we want that connection. We work hard for that first connection, for that first date that will lead to hopefully a second date, to a lifetime of connection. And that's why I love that movie Hitch because it's a bunch of guys trying to learn how to connect, to keep moving in that direction of connection. So we'll learn how to dance or we'll learn how not to dance, right? I have a partner, my husband, he had to learn how not to dance. He had this move. Here you go. I'm not even going to do it right because it's just that bad, but he said big ball, little ball. He just did this move, and I said, dude, drop the ball. Drop the ball. Don't do that dance. It's much bigger the way he does it. I'm not doing it. It's embarrassing. We (laughs) we, We long for connection, right? And something that's interesting in these studies is not that people articulate when they felt that connection, when they felt deeply connected to someone, but they talk about when they didn't feel it. They talk about the pain. They talk about the disappointment they felt. They talk about when they didn't feel connection in their family or when they didn't feel safe with their friend group or when they felt like they didn't belong in their community. That's what people talk about. And what's interesting to me is we go to that place of lack. Our mind goes to that place of lack that we want this fulfillment, so we go to where we are not being fulfilled. And one researcher in particular, her name is Dr. Brene Brown, she dives into this thought. And she says, connection unravels at the fear of disconnection. It unravels at the fear of disconnection. Or as she defines it, she says, it unravels at the fear of shame. At the fear of shame. And it's not that we have all of these, these secret things hidden away in our closets. It's just these areas where we feel like we're flawed or maybe that we feel, feel like we're inadequate. And we think that if we let this be exposed, if somebody sees this, then they will think, I am not worthy of that connection. And it's at that point, it's at that place where our relationships begin to unravel. So, for example, like in a marriage that has failed— so maybe there's some shame around the fact that that relationship broke. And maybe one person, one of the parents has a hard time connecting with their kids after that because they feel the shame of letting the relationship down. Or how about in your work environment? Say you take the lead on a, an initiative and it fails you bomb and and instead of having the you know Thomas Edison perspective I now know how know 700 ways not to make a light bulb instead you just kind of you step back you step back and you try to you try to blend in and you try to hide and you're not sure you're going to stick your neck out that's what shame does that's what it does it, it breaks the connection it it tells us that you shouldn't have even tried that you should have known better that you should have just stayed back and hide. That's what shame does. But what if instead of living in the fear of disconnection, what if instead of living in the fear of shame, if we lived in, with intentionality, with a set of directions that led us to, to the destination of connection, what if we just switched that perspic- perspective? Truly, when we hear that we are hardwired for something, it tells me that God intentionally designed us this way. He designed within us this desire to be connected. And, uh, you know, something that we know is that if God designed us this way to be connected, then God has a set of directions to lead us in that to that destination of connection. He has a set of directions. And so today I want to help you learn how to, to set the direction for connection. What are those habits that we can have that express an attitude of the heart? So I'm just going to dive in. I'm going to, we're just going to get right into the nitty-gritty. And I, uh, I want to go back to creation. How I want to show you how God, this was his intent from the very beginning. Read Genesis 2 with me. It says, Now man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now man and his wife, they were both naked and they felt no shame. Well, there it is, right? And some of you are thinking, let's keep this G-rated. And, I mean, we're a thousand words in and you're already feeling uncomfortable. But what I lo- <laughs> what I love is this is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for you and for me, that we are in a deep connection with him where we can be naked and unashamed and we have this posture in the relationships around us. The truth is, is God created us to have this deep connection. He created us to to have this place of refuge where we don't have to live in a facade, where we don't have to pretend and cover up, but that we have this deep connection where we're naked and unashamed. And I'm sure you're familiar with the story where Adam and Eve, they take a bite from this apple. And in this moment, their eyes are open to their nakedness. Their eyes are open to their mistake. Their eyes are open to where they messed up. And Adam and Eve, they went to go put clothes on. They went to go cover up. And what's interesting is instead of embracing the connection that they had with God, Instead of embracing that relationship that they had with him, now there's a fear response. And that response was shame. I, I need to go cover up. I need to go hide because what will someone think when they see this side? There's a fear response. There's shame. There's shame. I want to slow down and talk about something. I want this to really sink into your heart, into your mind, that God's connection to you was never broken. His connection to you was never broken. His aim was always for connection. In this story, we know that God meets Adam and Eve in the garden. He meets them in their place of shame. He meets them, and he's looking for them. And Adam and Eve, they were the ones that broke the connection, it was on humankind's side. We, the fear response of disconnection was on us. That wasn't on God. And sure, in this moment, there were consequences. There were consequences in the same way a loving parent gives consequences to their child. That says, hey, we're going to hurt for a little bit, but your, our relationship means so much. This has to happen. But the connection was broken on humankind's side. God never left. God was always there. He was always looking to meet you and meet us in this place of shame. To meet us and to build this bridge of connection. Listen, God stays true to who he is. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's always looking to meet with us. I love what the psalmist says. He says, oh, Lord, you've examined me and you know my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Lord, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. Lord, you know everything I do. I can't escape from your spirit. I never can get away from your presence. Listen, God has never left you. He's never left you, and he sees all of you. He sees your beginning, your middle, and your end, and he's there. He he isn't turning and and walking away. He is staying. God's staying. And in this story, when Adam and Eve, they go cover up. They go get the uh, fig leaves, and they cover up. But in this moment, God has a plan to bring that connection back. He has this plan, and it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. Read this with me. It says, Therefore, we have been justified through faith. Uh, now that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into grace in which we now stand. We have, been, we have gained access through faith into this grace. What does, what does that mean, now that we have been justified? What does that mean? Justify means it's just as if I've never sinned. It's just as if I've never messed up. It's just as if I never covered up. And in this moment, God meets us in this place, and there's this great exchange with Jesus where I take a step of trust. I take a step of trust, and Jesus meets me there, and he removes all of my shame. That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus came to do. And I love uh, love what this passage says. You know, there's been this healing in our relationship with God. We have this connection with him. There's that deep connection again. And here it says it in this uh, passage. It says we have peace with God. We have peace with God. And oftentimes we talk about receiving peace from God. But that receiving peace from God stems from having peace with God, that's the first peace that we experience. And peace with God means that we can be fully exposed. We can we can sh- have place all of our sins in front of Him. We can and we can lay out all of our shame. And God says, "You are accepted. You are forgiven." There's a safe place in our relationship with Him where we can be vulnerable. We can be accepted, and we can grow more connected with our heavenly Father. That's what happens in this moment. This peace allows us to experience the connection with our Heavenly Father. It allows us to experience this connection with our Heavenly Father. And what does this mean for our relationships? What does this mean in my relationship with my spouse? Or what does this mean in my relationship uh, with my boss or with my neighbors or with my siblings? What does this mean? When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now that you have this peace from God, now that you have peace with God, you are a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. There's a connection that you can have. There's a connection that you do have, and it's one where you can be naked and unashamed in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Now that you are this child of God, you have this opportunity where you get to help others experience the peace and the presence of our Heavenly Father that covers a multitude of sins. That's what we get to do. That's what we get to be about. We get to be peacemakers. That's the attitude of the heart that God puts us on mission with. We get to be peacemakers. We get to to help meet people in their place of shame. And we get to help them experience the same grace that you and I have experienced. That's what we get to do. So, now that we know the, the, t- this attitude that we get to have in our hearts as a Jesus follower, this peacemaker, what are some habits that we can have that express this attitude? I just want to talk about two tonight. And the first one is this create a safe place, create a place of safety. Create a place of safety. In Scripture, it shows us that God creates a place of safety. He creates a place of refuge. The psalmist says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say the Lord that He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God, He creates a place of refuge. He creates these safe places where we can be naked and unashamed with him, where we can be connected with him. And in turn, God's asking us to go and create safe places. He's asking us to go and create places of refuge. He's asking us, hey, ask my Holy Spirit to lead you. Ask him to to lead you, and I will show you places, ways that you can create a place of refuge in these relationships that are surrounding you. And what does it mean to create a place of refuge? Well, it says it right here in this uh, passage. It says, let it be a place of trust. It's a place of trust. It's a, a place in your relationship where you say, you know, I'm not going to use your mistakes against you. This is a safe place. It's a place of refuge. It's a place of trust. That's what God's inviting us into. It's a place where we can invite others to be naked and unashamed. It's a place where we can rest and know that we are safe and secure. So how do we create this? What are some ways that we can do this? There's just I just want to pop through a couple of ways that we can create this safe place, this place of refuge. And the first one is this, is make the commitment that someone's name will be safe in your mouth. Make the commitment that someone's name will be safe in your mouth. I've said this before, but I love it. A little girl was asked, what is love? And she said, love is when you know your name is safe in someone's mouth. Love is when you know your name is safe in someone's mouth. Make the commitment that someone's name will be safe in your mouth. That you are going to build up that you're not going to tear down. So ladies, when you go out with your girlfriends, ask yourself, is my husband's name going to be safe in my mouth? Am I going to build him up or am I going to tear him down? And I want you to think long and hard about that because sometimes I hear things said that if someone, if, if you think about it, if it wouldn't be okay for someone else to say that about your husband, then you probably shouldn't say it. Let his name be safe in your mouth. Husbands, let your wife's name be safe in your mouth. Don't shame her. Don't defame her. Let her name be safe in your mouth. Make this this commitment. I love what Proverbs says. It says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. You have the choice make that choice for someone's name to be safe in your mouth listen I want you to think about this that the words that we speak over our relationships, the words that we speak over our marriage over our spouse these are like these are incredibly heavy words and they're not just words that we're speaking over our partner but these are words that we're speaking over a covenant promise that we've made with our Heavenly Father and because it's a covenant promise, we've invited God into that relationship. And so not only are you making an offense against your spouse, but you're making an offense against God. Make the choice to keep someone's name safe in your mouth. Words of life or words of death, you get to choose. And this isn't just for marriages. I mean, think about your work environment. Make the choice to let your boss's name be safe in your mouth where you are building them up. You're not tearing them down. Make that choice. Make that choice that their name is safe. How about with your roommate? Make that choice that their name is going to be safe in your mouth. Within your friend groups, if you want that place of refuge where people are carrying weight, where they're helping you walk through seasons of life, make that choice to keep their name safe in your mouth. Make that choice. Because I don't know about you but I've had moments where I have been sitting at tables where I've stepped back because of the things that I've heard where I didn't know if I would be treated with the same if I would be treated the same way Make that decision. We have this opportunity. We can speak words of life or words of death. We get to choose. How about with our kids? How about with our kids? If we want them to come home after they grow up, if we want them to come around and come back, then we have to make the commitment that their names are going to be safe in our mouth, that we are not going to shame them in front of our friends. Listen, kids, they want to know that they are loved and affirmed. That's what they want. They want to be able to be naked and unashamed when they're 13 and 15 and 18 and 23. And if we want to create that safe place where they can be naked and unashamed, well, then we have to be intentional about it. Because they don't want to just run down the hallway naked when they're two. We They, they want to have that experience all the time with you. And we have this opportunity with our kids where we, We get to love them in that place of vulnerability. We get to love them in that place where they mess up, and we get to help show them the way forward. We get to meet them with this unprecedented grace that says, Hey, I love you. I'm connected. This isn't going to change. Is this good? Listen, the next one I want to talk about is just make this commitment not to tear down. Not to tear down. In your, in your marriage, make the commitment not to tear down. You know, sometimes we like to poke fun and, you know, sometimes poking fun, it, you're actually hurting your relationship. You're, you're actually tearing it down. And you cannot build your relationship up, relationship up if you haven't made the commitment not to tear it down. You can't build it up if you haven't made the commitment not to tear it down. Scripture says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up. You have to be intentional about building your relationship up. Make that commitment to do it. Make that commitment. Listen, create that place of refuge. Create that place where you can be honest with one another and you can share your frustrations and share. Be, know that you're going to be safe and secure and sure, there are times when you need to invite other people into your marriage, but that's a mutual invitation. That's a mutual invitation. That's not a one sided invite. That's a mutual invitation. Create that safe place. Create that safe place where you're committing not to tear one another down. Listen, this isn't just for your marriage. This is, do that with your boss that you will not tear them down. Do this with your mother-in-law that you will not tear her down. With your father-in-law, with your siblings, make this commitment that you are not going to tear them down. Because here's the baseline in all of our relationships. We all mess up, right? Like we all need grace at different times and we all need to, we all have experienced the same grace from Jesus. And Jesus gives us this call to love one another the same way that he loves us. And so this love that he calls us to, it says, I don't condemn you. This love that he calls us to says, I don't shame you. This love helps us experience the depth of the love from our Heavenly Father. A love that's so hard to describe because it is so deep and it is so wide. And God's calling us to love one another with that kind of love. And that kind of love, it changes you. That kind of love, it humbles you. And that's what we've been called to do. And I want you to hear me t- this evening. You know, we can we we can speak these words and sometimes we can we recognize that they are heavy. But what we don't realize is sometimes they are removing the redemptive work that Christ did on the cross for you and for me. They're making that work done in vain. Listen, James the brother of Jesus, he says, "Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves. Their religion is worthless. Listen, when we don't think about our words, it cheapens the grace that we've received. It cheapens the grace. And as James says, it makes it worthless. It makes it worthless. Make the commitment not to tear down. Make this commitment to create a safe place to create this refuge. How about this next one? Make the commitment anytime you think something good, to say it. Anytime you think something good, say it. Don't stand back and wait and see if it's going to be a habit, to see if they're gonna keep repeating it. Listen, what gets celebrated gets repeated. So anytime you see something good, say it. Say it. Think about it from this perspective. Why would you want to rob someone you love from a blessing of love and adoration? Why would you want to withhold that from them? When you see something good, say it. I love what scripture says. It says, but encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily. We need to encourage each other. How often? How often do we encourage one another? Daily. Encourage one another daily. See something good Say it. So often we are so quick to say where someone's not measuring up. We're so quick to say where someone has messed up. But what if we took this opportunity to say something when we see something good? We're speaking to who they're becoming. That's what we're doing. We're calling them to that. We have a great opportunity when we do that. So create that place of safety. Create that place of refuge. And when you see something good, say it. So that first one, create that place of safety. That here's the second one, embrace vulnerability. Embrace vulnerability. Now, I don't know about you but I don't love vulnerability. I really don't. Like I try to I try to dodge it at all costs and it could be because I grew up with eight brothers and I was always on this I had to be on guard, you know? Like if I let my walls down in any way, I would be open for brotherly attack and um you know, in our marriage, I don't love vulnerability. If we're if we're watching a movie and I start crying, you better believe I wipe those tears away. I don't want Brandon to see me crying. The reality is, is we don't like vulnerability. People don't like it, right? Like it's like putting your heart on this pedestal and saying, "Look at this! Like, like here, see all the 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 sacred side of me." And uh, the reality is, though, is vulnerability. We have to be vulnerable with one another. Connection requires vulnerability. It requires vulnerability. There's, the reality is, is if we're longing for this connection in our relationship, it requires a willingness to expose these vulnerabilities. It requires it, and uh, the this, the thing is, is when we are taking these steps of vulnerability, we're inviting people to. We're learning to to trust people with these places of pain, these places of disappointment, these fears, these inadequacies that we feel. But it's not just trusting them with those places, but it's also trusting them with your dreams, and your hopes. And your aspirations. This is what I mean. You're trusting them with your whole self. That's what vulnerability is. And I'm talking about healthy vulnerability. Like we all know the overshare that overshares every detail, every every and with everybody. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about healthy vulnerability. And healthy vulnerability. It can be scary because you're putting yourself out there, and you're saying, you know. They might see something about me that makes me feel like I'm not worthy of connection. But I'm going to see what they respond with. You know, Dr. Brown and her studies of connection and disconnection, it led her to asking thousands of people about what they felt about vulnerability. Thousands of people. And do you know what the most common response was? Naked They felt naked. Isn't that interesting? And in God's original design, his original intent, intent in our relationships, was to be naked and unashamed, was to have this place of vulnerability and a place of refuge. And that's the tension with connection and vulnerability. It's you, you, you feel naked. You feel exposed. But we can't escape it. Listen, connection requires vulnerability. If you want that destination of connection in your relationships, then we have to take that step of trust with vulnerability. Because if we don't, it will drive a wedge in every single one of your relationships. And I want you to hear me this evening. The fear-based response, the fear-based response to vulnerability is shame. The fear-based response to vulnerability is shame. But the trust-based response to vulnerability is connection. It's connection. Connection requires you to take a step of trust. It requires you to take that step of faith. And I love this quote. It says, the root word of courage is the word cur, which is the Latin word for heart. And in its earliest form, courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Listen, God sees you, and He sees all of you, and He longs to be connected with you in this place of refuge, in this place, uh, in this safe place. He's meeting us, and He's renaming us as His child. And He wants you to live from this perspective of who you are, that you are His child, And you have peace with him. And that peace puts you on mission. And it shapes an attitude in your heart that you are to be a peacemaker. And he's asking us to take this courageous step. A courageous step. And be vulnerable in the relationships around us. To be vulnerable with your spouse. To be vulnerable with your neighbor. To to be vulnerable with the people in your small group. To have this willingness to share your whole heart. And what could God do in your relationships? What healing could he bring? Not just for you, but for the person beside you. Would you stand with me this evening? close tonight we're just going to take a moment where we're surrendering our relationships to our heavenly father you know some of you tonight the surrender that you need to do is you just you just need to surrender say God I haven't been creating safe places I haven't been creating that place of refuge and maybe it wasn't intentionally but now that you're seeing you know what when I am not when even though I'm not being intentional that lack of intention has created something else and so you just need to make an intentional decision that decision I'm going to create a place of refuge where people know that they're safe they they know I'm going to build them up I'm not going to tear them down or maybe in your relationships God's asking you to surrender where you've You've been holding people at an arm's distance, at an arm's length. And God's saying, put your arm down. Put your arm down or open your arm up for a hug. Let somebody in. Take that step of faith. Take that step of trust and let somebody in. And just as this posture of surrender tonight, I just want to ask you, raise your hands to the Lord. Just surrendering your whole self, your whole heart to the Lord. God, we just surrender to you this evening. We surrender. Lord, we lay down our relationships. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come and speak a word to the one that needs to be creating safe places. Places where they are building people up. Consciously building people up. Making a definitive choice to speak those words of life. Lord, I pray that you would give them opportunities, give them creative ways to to begin to, to speak those words over the relationships around them. And Lord, I pray for the person that needs to embrace vulnerability, that needs to take that step of trust, not just with you, but with the people that you've placed around them. Lord, would you give them the courage? Would you give them the courage to put their arm down? Lord, that they would let people come in, I really feel like the Lord's saying that if you put your arms down, it creates a space for others to come in and help carry the heaviness of the season that you're in. And so, Lord, we just have this open posture before you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.